0: This is the Learning to Lead Podcast, episode number 100. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 100 of the Learning to Lead Podcast. My name is Doug Smith, and I'm the founder of L3 Leadership. We're a leadership development organization, and our vision is to help you develop into the leader that you were created to be. If you're new to the podcast, we're committed to bringing you three episodes each month. One will always be from our Leadership Breakfast, which we bring in the best speakers we can to share their best leadership content. One will be an interview with a high-level leader, and then one once a month, you'll get a leadership lesson by me as well. So if you've been enjoying this podcast and been with us for a while, I'd really appreciate if you could go to iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher and actually subscribe to the podcast and then leave a rating and review. Um, that'll really help us grow our audience organically, and I'd really appreciate that. So that being said, I can't believe that this is episode number 100. Uh, I've been doing this podcast now for four years, and I can't believe we're 100 episodes in. It's been such a such a phenomenal experience, and I've learned so much. In fact, I get asked all the time, you know, what was your favorite interview? Who are your favorite speakers? What are the biggest lessons that you've learned? And so I'm actually going to be doing a lesson uh, this month where I share the top lessons that I've learned from 100 episodes of the Learning to Lead podcast, and I'm really looking forward to it, just reflecting on all the lessons that I've learned and the people that I've got to spend time with, and I really think I'll be able to extract a lot of value and add a lot of value to you through that. So stay tuned for that. And just to share with you some exciting news on a personal front, in addition to having 100 episodes, uh, my wife and I just had our first little baby girl, Olivia Catherine Smith, and she's just over a week old and we couldn't be more thrilled to be parents. And uh, we're just really, really excited. So life is really, really sweet right now. So that being said, uh, let's just jump right into this episode. This episode comes to you from our breakfast spe- series, and we recently had Jeff Leak speak. And Jeff is the pastor of Allison Park Church. He's also the founder of the Reach Northeast Network. And they've actually, through their network, planted 100 churches in the last five years which is uh, just such an incredible accomplishment. And what I love about Jeff is Jeff's not only a pastor, he's an entrepreneur, and he's a leader of leaders. And he did a phenomenal job speaking at the breakfast. He spoke on the importance of finding joy in the journey. And I really do believe this is a lesson that all leaders need to hear on a consistent abate, a consistent basis. Um, we always need reminded of this important lesson, and I really think it will add value to your life. Again, in this episode, you'll hear that talk on finding joy in the journey. And then in episode 101, uh, you'll get to hear our question and answer session with Jeff, which was incredible as well. And so I encourage you to listen to both of those. Uh, Both have so much valuable content in them. And you can find ways to connect with Jeff and what he's up to and everything else that you need uh, in the show notes at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 100. And you'll find everything you need right there. And before we jump into Jeff's talk, I just want to thank our sponsors, Bab Inc. They are an insurance broker, a third-party administrator and consulting firm in Pennsylvania and all across the country. They host our monthly Leadership Breakfast in Pittsburgh. They're a phenomenal company. And I just encourage you to check them out at babbins.com. That's B-A-B-B-I-N-S dot com. And you can check out the great work that they do. So that being said, let's jump right into Jeff's talk. Enjoy it. And I'll be back at the end with a few announcements.
1: Just want to say thanks to Doug and a big congratulations on the baby, baby girl. That's awesome. And um, so let, let me just to tell you a little bit about myself. Doug mentioned some things. So I've been, I'm a pastor. Okay. So I'm going to talk to you from a leadership slash spiritual perspective. Um, I have been married to my wife, Melody, for almost 29 years. And we have five kids, so I'm way down the line from where Doug is, you know, and just having his first newborn baby. Um, my oldest is 25, David. Uh, my my second is 24, Alyssa. Uh, Josh is 22. Caleb's 18, going to graduate from high school here in just a couple of days. And then my youngest, Jonathan, is is 16 years old. And I have been pastoring at my church for 25 years, so part of what I do is is I do pastoral things. You know, I deliver messages, and I counsel people, and I visit people, and I care for people, those kinds of things. But there is a, a strong part of me that is very entrepreneurial in my leadership style. So what, what was mentioned earlier is one of the things that we've done is we've helped other churches get started. So uh, we coach and encourage and resource other churches to get started. And a couple of years ago, our vision was to see churches started in the major cities of the Northeastern United States. And so we set out this goal to plant 100 churches in a 10-year period of time. And uh, we just have experienced some favor, and it's gone a lot faster than we anticipated. So we're going to hit our goal in half the time. And so that's a very exciting thing that we have been journeying together on. Um, also, have started a couple of other things in, in my lifetime. Started a nonprofit called the Network of Hope, which is uh, designed to help churches reach their community effectively. And we have a ministry school court called Northeast Ministry School. That's another thing that I helped to start. So I just love getting things started. I love the concept of leadership, and I could talk to you about a lot of things today um, regarding you know achieving your goals or. Um, you know, uh, helping other people to, to come along and, and the skills of helping people follow you. But since I'm the old guy in the room and I have a lot of life experience behind me, I thought I would talk about one of the discoveries that I made about 10 years ago that was probably one of the most critical things I ever learned in my life. Now, let me just describe my makeup. I tend to be a bit of a driver. I'm a, I'm a driven human being. I love goals. My wife said to me yesterday as I was... You know, working out my leg. Um, By the way, some of you wonder what the walking boot is. My wife and I were training for a half marathon. We were going to run next week in Ohio. And last week as I was pacing across the platform and and speaking in the final service, I thought somebody shot me in the back of the leg. What actually happened was I tore my calf muscle. Um, So it's my first preaching injury. And I preached my way through the the rest of the service. And I don't think anybody really noticed, but uh, I'm not going to be able to run. And, uh, so my, as I, my wife was talking to me yesterday. I was pacing back and floor, forth across the room. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I want to do a number of, you know, I'm stretching this thing out. I want to do a number of laps in the living room. She said, you, everything's a goal to you. She said, like, you know, you just, you're constantly setting the next goal. And that, that tends to be, a lot of times, what you'll find in high, highly successful individuals is that they tend to be goal-driven. Now, here's the other side of the equation. You can be so driven... That you can miss a lot of life, and sometimes you can push yourself so hard that you don't really drink in or experience um, the things that you are uh, succeeding at, and and so a number of years ago I, I had a, a you know about with with fatigue and. And went through a process of discovery where I learned some things that I'm going to share with you today, right? But I want to take you to a passage of Scripture that will exemplify this. So, again, I'm a pastor, so I'm going to go to the Bible a lot and use leadership examples. In the Old Testament, there is this story of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is one of the great examples of a good leader. Because Nehemiah, um, he goes back to the city of Jerusalem, which had been destroyed by its enemies. The walls had been torn down. The temple had been destroyed. And Nehemiah um, goes back with the endeavor to rebuild the wall surrounding the city. Now, in ancient, in ancient times, uh, the only way that a city felt protected is if it had high walls, okay? And the walls had been torn down. They were laying in just piles of rocks everywhere. It was a constant symbol of the fact that the city of Jerusalem was uh, in, in great disarray and in great disgrace, and Nehemiah rallies the people of Israel, the people of Jerusalem, to rebuild the walls. It was for you know decades laying in that condition, but he was such a great leader that he got everybody to mobilize and act. And so they all built the wall right in front of where they lived, and as they did that, just with a little bit of concentrated effort, what seemed to be an impossibility for a long time became something that was a reality, and within 52 days, they managed to rebuild those walls to where they were stable again. And at the end of the 52 days, after the walls were up, they had this religious celebration and they read from the book of the law. So that's the old Testament laws. Okay. They read through the, the first five books of the old Testament, which Moses write. And they begin to understand how much their lives still don't measure up to uh, what the old Testament laws say they were supposed to do. And, and all of a sudden they, they're hit with grief. Like, Okay, because we're, you know, our lives are messed up, you know, the, the judgment's going to come back, and all this work's going to go to waste, and we're going to lose everything. And, and Nehemiah says to them, look, this isn't the time to grieve. And, and he pauses and he says this, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine, send portions to everyone who has nothing, um, for this day is holy to the Lord. And then he says this thing at the end of the statement here, he says, and do not be grieved, and, and notice here, he says, for the joy of the Lord... Is your strength. Now, that phrase right there, I want to camp on for a moment because the the thing that that, uh, Nehemiah says here is actually a metaphor for the experience they just had in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Because the word for strength is actually a Hebrew word that is the word fortress. So basically, he was saying. The joy that you carry in your heart will be like these walls that surround the city we just, we just built. So it was like an object lesson. Look at the walls that surround the city. Um, if you maintain joy within your life, it will become like a walled fortress that you live in. But if you live without joy, it will become the place of your greatest vulnerability. Uh, that thought right there is what I want to talk to you about. It's the concept of joy management. Alright. There's a lot of things in leadership that we can manage. We can manage people, we can manage tasks, we can manage projects, we can we can manage uh you know our thoughts. We, but one of the things that we have to manage to live a healthy life over a long period of time is we've got to manage the levels we have in our joy. And and so he says, if you have joy, if you have maintained joy in your life, it'll be like a strength to you. If you lack joy, it'll become like a weakness to you. Now now here's Here's an observation that I'll make. If you're filled with with joy, okay, now let's just distinguish. Joy is a biblical quality. It isn't something that is circumstantially based. Joy is not, um, I'm happy that everything's going well right now. Joy is a spiritual quality that is based upon being right with God. And it basically is something that God deposits in your spirit even whenever things aren't good. Um, it actually is a property that the Holy Spirit gives to us. And when we operate out of joy, it provides for us the energy and capacity to go on. When, when my life is filled with joy, I feel this, this sense of invincibility. I'm less tempted by things. I'm less discouraged by things. I'm more motivated. I'm more passionate. Um, the vision that I have is much more contagious. When I'm, when I'm drained of joy, when I lack it... Um, I'm more tempted, I'm more discouraged, I'm more apt to talk negatively. There is a lot of things that will come out of my life just simply because my life is trained. And so leadership is tough, life is challenging, there are a lot of pressures that we all experience all the time. And there does tend to be this feeling to say, well, if things are going well in my life, then I'll have a lot of joy. And if things aren't going well, then I won't. But really, joy is something that you can manage within your soul, regardless of your circumstances. And this is what I want to challenge you to do. If you're going to do whatever you're going to do for a long time, you're going to do it for decades. You're going to live a vibrant marriage for decades. You're going to raise a family for a lifetime. If you're going to build a business or lead a ministry or whatever it is that you're going to do, and you're going to do it over a long period of time. You're going to have to learn not just to get stuff done, but while you get stuff done, to maintain a certain quality in your soul that will keep you strong. Does that make sense? Wave at me if I'm making sense. I know it's early on, on a Saturday. Okay. Let me take you to another passage of Scripture. This is a very interesting moment in the life of Jesus. Jesus is, is um, it says, he went on his way to a, to a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she has a sister called Mary, it says, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching. Just pause for a minute and introduce the characters in the story. Okay, so there's these three siblings in the New Testament, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Um, They lived in a little town called Bethany, which is about two miles outside of Jerusalem. And it was the place where Jesus, whenever he was doing his ministry on earth, would retire. After doing stuff in Jerusalem, he would retire back to Bethany. Most likely, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus were wealthy enough that they had a large enough house that could contain the 12 disciples and their group. And so they would come back and they would kind of camp out at Martha's house. Martha's mentioned first because she's the oldest. And so Jesus and his clan um, end up at Martha's house for an overnight stay. And they show up here. And it says that Mary chooses to sit at the Lord's feet and listen to his teaching. And now it says, Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Okay, this is a very interesting story. I, I love this story here. Um, here, here's the scenario. Martha has G- Jesus and the clan over. I mean, what more important guests could you have than that, right? And, and, uh, and, and so here we have the dynamic. We have these two sisters, and Jesus comes in with the clan, and, and the, the scripture says that Mary finds herself camped out at the feet of Jesus, and Martha is trying to fix everybody lunch. Okay, so trying to get everything ready for everybody. Um, and, and, and so Mary's sitting there listening to Jesus. And Martha's got her servant team kind of moving along. And they're fixing all the meal. And she, she, she's stressed out. And, and she's worried that it's all not going to get done. And, and so she walks out into the main room where they're all sitting listening to Jesus teach. And she knows this is there's her lazy sister sitting at Jesus' feet not doing anything again. Now let me just pause for a moment and say, you know how it is with siblings, Mary, Martha and Mary, probably this isn't the first time they've had this particular conversation <laughs> about who's going to do what around the house. So she notices Mary sitting there at Jesus' feet listening, and so she tries to get Mary's attention, like, come on, I need some help here, right? Mary's oblivious, right? She's just not even thinking about it. So she walks back and forth across the main room. Maybe the second time across, instead of giving her the look, she goes, ahem, <clears throat> <clears> ahem. <throat> Still, Mary doesn't pick up on anything, right? And so back and forth she goes, trying to get ready for lunch, and then all of a sudden, she actually says, not to Mary, but to Jesus. Notice, Jesus is teaching, and she interrupts. Hey, wait a second here. Can I just say something? She says, Can you imagine the audacity of this moment? You know, Lord, I know you've done a lot of miracles here in this world. You've you've healed the blind, you've opened deaf ears, you've made crippled people walk. Can you do a miracle? And get my sister to do something around the house. I mean, here she is sitting, sitting here listening, I and mean, this is just crazy. And so she, she rebukes, it says in one other translation, she rebukes the Lord, okay? And, and, and Jesus looks at Martha and says, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And why don't we say those two words? Everybody say anxious, anxious. and troubled. Anxious. Another uh, translation says it like this worried and distracted. You are worried and distracted, anxious and troubled. About many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen what's best, or the good portion, and it won't be taken away from her. Now, let me just tell you, I've heard this story taught for years. I mean, I was raised in the church, and I'm a pastor, so I've heard this story taught over and over and over again. And a lot of times, the way I heard it applied made me feel a bit angry, because it appears, if you can read into the dynamics of Martha and Mary... It appears that Martha is a bit of a task oriented human being, and that Mary is a little bit more people oriented There are a couple of times we see them two of them mentioned one's in John chapter eleven, where Jesus comes to raise Lazarus, and Martha's at the gate waiting for him with her watch. You know there wasn't watches at the time, but she was she was like, "Where have you been?" And Mary is grieving with her friends back at the tomb. You can kind of see one is. You know, schedule kind of driven, and the other one's a little bit more free-flowing and people-oriented. It sounds to me here like like Jesus is saying, "Look, it's wrong to be so task-oriented. You need to be more like Mary. Mary just has time for people and to drink things in, and and your life is just too driven." And I always, I always, I always read this passage, and I thought, uh, "This this seems unfair." And in fact, if I read the story without the Jesus statement. I'm on Martha's side. I don't know about you, but I'm like, yes, yeah, she should get up and help. I mean, come on, there is stuff to do. How can how can he say what Mary has chosen is better? I mean, is, is Jesus saying, look, it's wrong to be so driven in life and to be to be driven to to accomplish tasks and to get things done, and it's right, you know, only to sort of be free flowing and spontaneous? And so it just felt like, you know, elevating one personality type over the other. And, and, and again, I tend to agree with Martha. If I were, were going to hire somebody to be my administrative assistant, I'd hire Martha. Not Mary, you know what I mean? If I was looking for somebody to lead something that needed something accomplished, I'd probably hire Martha because Martha was the get-it-done person in the room. And it just felt a little bit like, like rebuking the wrong person. So, I think the key here in what, what's being said is, it's not that Martha was trying to get stuff done. It was this statement in verse 41 here. She was anxious and troubled. She was worried and distracted. I think that that you can have a, a life in leadership that wants to accomplish things, but what will rob you of your strength is if you live in a way that is worried and distracted, harassed on the inside all the time. See, the real challenge is to recognize what life really is all about. Now... Here's an observation. I think Martha fell into this particular trap that I tend to fall into as well. Here's what I think Martha was thinking. I can't to- tell you for sure. I think she was probably thinking like this. As soon as I get this done, as soon as this is over, as soon as the lunch is prepared, then I'll sit down and enjoy this moment. But I'm not going to enjoy this moment until everything gets done because I've got to get this done first. Right? As soon as I get this done, then my life will even out, things will get a little bit better, and then I'll start to enjoy my life. Now, I don't know if you ever fell into that trap, but this is kind of how this works. As soon as I get this done, then I'll stop and slow down and enjoy my life. But what happens as soon as you get it done? Something else happens, right? Only thing, okay, well, you know, I got three or four more things to do. Well, as soon as I get the rest of these things done and then what happens is day goes into day, week goes into week. And Jay said, well, as soon as the semester is over, as soon as I'm done with these studies, as soon as we get through this season, you know, in our business, the heavy season we're in, as soon as as we plant that next church, as soon as we get this done, then we'll slow down and enjoy our life. And here's what I can testify to. Years can pass and amazing things can be happening in your life. And you can miss the joy of what's going on if all you are focused on is just getting the next thing accomplished. So here's the observation. If I could go back in time and say something to Martha that was a little more direct, even than what Jesus said, I would say it like this Joy's in the journey, not in the destination. If you want to live a life that's filled with joy, that has the strength like walls surrounding your existence, then you have to realize that you can't put joy off till later. You actually got to drink in joy right now. Joy is in the journey. It's, it's, in the, it's in the moments that you're in as you stumble along towards the destination. It's not when it all gets done, it's not when it's all over. It's the right now moments in life. Joy's in the journey. Joy's right now. Joy is in the fact that you're sitting in a room, beautiful room with gorgeous chandeliers and you've just had some amazing breakfast and you're sitting with good friends and you're getting some good teaching and you have the opportunity to grow personally. And it's not just that you're going to get the breakfast done that you're going to go into the other things that you have. This is about just pausing for a moment and (sighs) choosing to recognize the good things that you have in your life and to not let the moment pass before you choose to enjoy it. Joy in the journey. I'll give you some examples now. Um, a couple of years ago, I was uh, uh, offered an opportunity to go to Africa and be a part of a missions experience. And It was a very rugged one. It was one that uh, involved a, a lot of effort, but what made, it, what made it more intense is that on the way over, they lost our luggage. So we had only what was in our carry-on bag to be able to survive for the week. So, you know, you change your clothes a lot, you wear your underwear inside out a couple times, you do whatever you can do. Eventually, you know, you're trying to soak it out in the sink and make it all work together. And we bought some clothes on the corner market there in Ethiopia and they felt like sandpaper. I mean, it just was, it just wasn't fun. And uh, so we're on our way back after a long, exhausting trip and I just felt filthy, you know. the showers were kind of rugged and outdoor shower thingies, and they would put they would put water in the top of this deal that would like then flow down when you pull this lever. You take your shower, and sometimes the water wasn't all that clean that they put in the top. So you never just felt like it wasn't a hot shower, it wasn't a it wasn't a clean water. You just, it never felt really all that clean. And I remember standing in the security line um, waiting to get on the airplane and you know going through getting checked in and and the person standing behind me was like four paces back and i was like what is the deal and then i realized <laughs> i was putting off an odor cuz you know i had i just was the whole team we just had like you know like pig pen from charlie brown we just had a little bit of that <laughs> a little bit of that going on so I couldn't wait to get home I was longing to be home I couldn't wait to see my wife and family and, and you know finally we, we went through customs and we got to the, to the airport in Atlanta and I was like you know, only one more flight and I'm going to be back in Pittsburgh this is going to be great and so I we went up this long es- escalator in Atlanta I don't know if you've ever been to Atlanta airport but they have these really huge escalators going all the way up to the top of the escalator when I got to the very top of the escalator I looked out and there I saw it this big old glowing green sign said Starbucks on it. I was like, oh man, good coffee. I haven't had good coffee in a long time. And I went over and I stood in the line at Starbucks and I got my grande dark roast and I went over put a little cream in there and then I took the coffee and I popped off the lid and I went like this. Oh, does that smell so good. I took a sip of Starbucks coffee and then I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. Kind of a crazy moment for this to happen. But inside, I felt the Holy Spirit say this to me Why don't you always enjoy your coffee like this? And I was like, Yeah. You know, it's a very small thing. But it's amazing how we take for granted some of the little things that are gifts to us in our life. So I was like, You're right, God. Thank you so much for this really good cup of coffee. Let me take another sniff unto the glory of God. (laughs) And I worshiped my way through that cup of coffee. I did. Every sip I was like, God, thank you. This is such a good coffee. Wow. And then I purposed for the next couple of days to slow down a little bit and just start to recognize how many of the little good things that are planted in my path all the time that I have the tendency to just take for granted. Well, as soon as this gets done, you know, I went back home and I hugged my kids real tight and kissed my wife, you know, very passionately because I was so happy to see her. And then when I got in with my people at my church, I was just more than just, okay, there's all this stuff that we need to get done. I just spend a little more time in conversation because so often, so often what happens is we begin to think that, 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 that life starts later while we're doing what we're doing right now. But life is really what's happening while you're in the journey toward whatever that goal is. And your life will never be quite the healthy life it needs to be until you learn how to manage your joy. Let me just kind of make this observation. No one will manage the quality of your soul but you. There is nobody else to do that. So if your soul is withering up and dying... There's nobody else that can manage the quality of your soul but you. If you don't stop and pay attention to what's going on in, inside you, then it will be very difficult for you to be able to live with that sense of joy. And a joyful person, who's somebody who's really absorbed in the, in the momentary blessings of life, that's got a vision for the future but is living in the moment that they're in, is a very contagious person to follow somebody somebody that's just you know got their head down and just trying to get the next thing done and you know barking out commands and trying to you know get everybody moving forward all the time and doesn't have that sense of of uh you know of inner peace within their life can be a miserable person to get along. They might, they might actually get a lot of stuff done, but somebody who's filled with joy, living in the moment yet with big vision for the future, somebody who's filled with joy is a contagious person to be around. It might, it might seem almost like, like a secondary issue, but when your soul is right, you lead with passion. When you lead with passion, other people want to follow, not because they have to, but because they get to. So, so it's a downline kind of impact on your leadership when you begin to cultivate that, that experience of joy. Okay, let me just make now a couple of takeaway points. A couple of ways we do this. First thing, first thing we have to do if we're going to cultivate joy or do effective joy manager, you've got to slow down. You've got to slow down. Now, this does not mean necessarily slow your pace. It means slow down the pace within you. It means slow the moment down. You know, if you could, you know how they have it on whatever device you use. You can speed the movie up a little bit and make it go faster and then slow it back down. So it's slowing down the pace of the movie of your life. It's, it's choosing to go at half speed for sometimes. It's 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 just stopping, like like the Starbucks story. It's, okay, you're going to drink your coffee, but don't just drink your coffee. Just slow down for a minute. Pause and realize what a good thing it is. And the second thing you got to do is savor the moment, okay? So whatever it is that's going on that's good, don't let it pass you by. You know, savor it. You know, it's, it's, I guess if you're going to remember anything from this, you could remember it like this. Sometimes you need to stop and smell a Starbucks, right? So sometimes you've got to slow down enough to drink in the moment and to thank God for His goodness and to live out of that and, and to just enjoy it. So uh, I'll tell you one of the things that I'm determined to do this week. So this coming Wednesday night here in Pittsburgh, we are going to celebrate the planting of our 100th church. We're going to actually do it down at Stage AE, right right around the corner here. And uh, we're going to bring together a lot of those guys we planted churches with. And um, there's a lot of things that go, go into hosting that. So we have this big event down at Stage E on Wednesday night. and Then we got a leadership conference that we're going to host at my church on Thursday called the Ignite Conference. And we'll have probably 500 people there for that, that leadership conference. And there's a lot of details that go into all of those things. But I have to tell you, I'm going into this particular week with this mindset. I don't care if everything goes perfect. What I do care is that I am not going to miss this moment. I mean, I've been a part of seeing these 100 churches planted. I do not want to miss this moment emotionally. I don't want to just think. A lot of people will do this to me, actually. They'll say, well, Pastor Jeff is great. 100 churches in five years. Man, you have to be so pumped. So what's next? And I want to just, I just want to slap him. I say, what do you mean, what's next? <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, do we have to go to what's next already? That's how we think, right? We say, well, that's, you did that. You made that. You accomplished that. Well, we shouldn't be so quick to rush into the next thing. So I, there'll be a next, but I'm, not, I'm determined. I'm not going there emotionally until... Until I enjoy this moment right here. This is a great moment. You know, so many great moments happen in our life. And if you look back, you might realize there were some things you missed. Like they happened and you were happy, but maybe you missed them. You didn't really enjoy them as much as you could. So you got to slow down in your heart. and you got to savor the moment. And then you got to celebrate your success. And that sounds almost like arrogant and prideful. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about like, look how awesome I am. I'm just talking about reflecting on the good things, um, thanking God for His ability to work through us to accomplish something good. And then, if you happen to lead a team, if you happen to lead a team, it's really important to let your team throw parties. You know, uh, early in my ministry, I didn't party enough. My staff, I was always thinking about the next thing we, okay, it was a great weekend, it was great, what's next weekend look like? You know, it was, it was a great, that's a great event, what's the next event going to be like? We would often, to, to do a lot of self-improvement, as soon as an event was over, hold a meeting to talk about everything that went wrong in the meeting so the next time we did it, we could do it better. We were, we were working on self-improvement. Very important to do, have honest conversations about how you're doing so that you can do things better. But what I failed to do was, along with evaluating what could be better, I failed to stop and say, Hey, guys, I'm so proud of you. Way to go. That was awesome. Let's eat. You know, Let, let's, let's enjoy this. Let's celebrate. Let's tell some stories. This is fantastic. The, health, the culture of a healthy team, of whatever organization that you lead is also something that requires joy management. Joy management is not just a personal thing. It actually is a cultural thing for the organization you lead as well. Because if your organization is accomplishing great things, but having a great time while they do it, and enjoying the moment, it's going to be a much healthier place, and everything you try to do will be accomplished much more effectively. So, let's pray, and then I'll have, I'll have Doug come, and he can do, we can do Q&A. God, help us to enjoy the moment we're in right now, To slow down enough so that we can drink in the things that are happening for us. The good things you've deposited in us. So that we can effectively lead our souls as we lead other people as well. Amen. Amen.
0: Well, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Jeff's talk. I really hope you enjoyed it. Again, for ways to connect with Jeff and what he's doing, you can go to the show notes at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 100. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, you can also listen to our question and answer session with Jeff on episode 101. And I really encourage you to do that as well as I think it'll add a lot of value to you. Our next leadership event, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, we're having a pirate game and tailgate with Sean Amirati, who's an entrepreneur who's built and sold three companies, one of which was acquired by LinkedIn, which is pretty cool. And uh, for 10 bucks, you'll get Uh, a tailgate with food, with Chick-fil-A. You'll get to go to a pirate game. You'll get to hear Sean talk on his new book, The Science of Growth, and you'll get a copy of his new book. So for 10 bucks, you really can't beat it. And you can find out information on how to attend the event at l3leadership.org forward slash event. I also want to thank our other sponsor, 068, a company led by my friend Daniel Bull, and they actually start companies with ex-convicts, and so uh, they're doing an incredible work. They actually just released a really cool overview video, so if you're interested in the work that they're doing, you can check them out at 068.org, and I encourage you to watch the video at 068, all spelled out, .org, and you'll really appreciate it. As always, if you have uh, been listening for a while or this podcast added value to your life, it would really help us if you could just leave a rating and review and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. It just helps us grow our audience organically and uh, and get some new people listening. So really would appreciate that. And then lastly, if you want to stay in touch with us and connect with what we're doing, you can simply go to our our website at l3leadership.org and sign up for our email list. And you'll also get a free copy of my ebook, Making the Most of Mentoring, where I lay out step-by-step my process for getting meetings with leaders. And I really think that that'll add value to your life. As always, I like to close with a quote, and given Jeff's talk, I think that that this quote is fitting. It's a quote by Gerald Brooks, and he said this. He said, when your responsibilities exceed your capabilities, you need priorities. I love that. When your responsibilities exceed your capabilities, you need priorities. And I think if we're going to if we're gonna find joy in the journey, if we're going to do everything that God put in our heart to do, that we're really going to have to prioritize our life and make, priori- make joy a priority in our lives as well. So that being said, thanks for listening and being a part of L3 Leadership. Laura and I appreciate you so much, and we'll talk to you next episode.